adventure. Tonight's exciting story by Ron Evans is called Arctic Treasure. Still, I've had my fill of so-called adventure. 
is my last trip anyway. Grief. What's happening? Relax, boy. It'll be happening all the time. We must have hit a small underwater ice floe. Nothing to worry about. Going to come through the bottom. No, these chases are built strong. It's nearly four. Time I got ready to relieve Tom Brewer on the wheel. You're lucky, Tim. Only got the cooking to worry about. I think I'll get some sleep ready. I'm on at midnight. The worst darn watch. Tim, you don't call me for dinner, huh? <laughs> you seasick, Snorri. No, boy. I have to have my wits about me for the hunting tomorrow. And the only way is to get as much sleep as possible. When dawn broke next morning, I went out on deck. In every direction lay a white desolation of ice floes, so tightly packed that the clear blue of the water could barely be seen between them. Only one thing stood out. The huge iceberg dead ahead of us. Its peak was at least 50 feet high, and it was a quarter of a mile in width, and the greater portion of this was not more than a few feet above sea level. The skipper reduced speed as we drew close to the berg, and we slowly nosed our way through the pack ice. Then hard a port on the wheel, we came alongside a flat stretch of the berg, as neatly as we did the mothership. Fred, Snorri, and Lars jumped over the side of the ice, each armed with a sledgehammer and two steel pikes. These were hammered into the ice to hold fast our mooring ropes. We had moored at the point nearest to the steep rise of the berg, and the peak now towered above our tiny ship, only a few yards away. Littering the berg was a huge colony of seals, literally hundreds of them, most watched with interest unaware of the fate in store for them. you taped him. More like you told him, didn't you? All right, I'll admit it. I'd have hated to see you being given the killing work, while I have to look after the moor. For that, I suppose I should be thankful. Why I should have to stand here and watch the ropes is a mystery. It looks very secure to me. You're dead wrong, Tim. Bergs can be very treacherous. They'll split in half, crumble even, on the slightest pretext. Thanks for the cheerful news. What will you chaps do out there if that happens? <laughs> Make a mad dash back here if we can. Oh, there's little risk to the ship, laddie. We're all right, really, so long as we don't get dunked in the water. And if you do? A man's life expectancy in that water's less than a minute, I've heard. Oh, here's the mate, Fred. You ready, Freddie? Yes. Yes, I was just warning young Tim here of the dangers. Oh, great. That saves me the job. But what do I do if the berg does start to break up? Into fragments, I mean. Yeah, well, you see the slope over there? Yeah. The main danger lies in a split appearing there and breaking away. The broken part could roll and drag the ship over with it. Now, if that happens, cut the moorings. <laughs> Don't look so alarmed, kid. It's a million to one, but it's as well to know. Okay? Yes, yes. You find a fire axe, fore and naft. Go along and put them beside the bollards, just in case. Okay, Freddy, let's go. 
The skipper Snorri and Lars are waiting for us. I watched them go. Rifles slung over their shoulders and long clubs swinging from their hands. They didn't bother with a few seals in sight of the ship. The main colony was on the other side of the berg. I got out the axes and laid them on the deck. I shuddered when the shooting started. The ugly picture of the slaughter in my mind's eye. As the shots echoed out across the stillness of the icy waste, small chunks of ice broke away from the high peak and came down the slope in numerous miniature avalanches. At first it worried me, but I quickly realized it was of little importance and only caused by the sound waves of the shots. Trying to take my morbid thoughts off the slaughter, I studied the white peak, which had obviously once been part of the glacier. I looked at a point a third of the way up. A large chunk of ice dislodged itself and came tumbling down, breaking up into small pieces during its descent. The particles came to rest on more than 50 feet from the ship. When I looked back, there was a dark scar at the point where the ice had broken away. And the more I looked at it, the more intrigued I became. What could be the cause, I wondered. Something up there, I'm sure of it. If I could just get a closer look. Of course, there's the skipper's binoculars. With luck, he'll have left them in the wheelhouse. I'm sure he won't have taken them with him. Ah, here they are. Maybe I'm just imagining it. It could just be a crevice in the ice. Now, where is it? where each eyepiece has to be focused. It can't be. How can there be a piece of timber up there? But it's too timber at that. Perfectly rounded and neatly cut off at the end that's sticking out. It's, it's almost as though it's the yardarm of another ship. It can't be. How can a ship be in the middle of an iceberg? I was both astonished and very curious. And this made me do a foolish thing. Yes, foolish it may have been, but I'm glad to this day that I did. Putting the binoculars back into the wheelhouse, I then jumped over onto the ice and started up the slope. It rose only gradually at first. But soon the going became harder as it got steeper. Chunks of ice slid from under my feet, but I kept on, my eyes fixed on that piece of wood. Then... I had it in my hand, and solid, smooth wood it was. It poked out through a hole in the ice, which was about two feet wide. It must be part of a ship. I wonder how big it is. It goes deep inside the berg. There's just enough room for me to...
aboard this cabin, like the sailor's ship in a bottle, was a complete ship. Not an ordinary ship, but a Viking longship. Hunched fur-clad figures of men sat at their oars, exactly as they must have frozen to death a thousand years before. Keels still lined the gunwales, and the remains of a sail hung stiffly down towards them from where I was perched. Everything was still. Silent. A little frightening. I glanced around me, but there was no way down. I then stared in awed fascination, wondering what tragedy had befallen these Vikings so long ago, and marveling at the miracle that had preserved them for so long. Look at the man at the steering oar. He's still standing. There's others there, huddled in the middle as though they were, they were trying to keep each other warm. Camera. If only I had a camera. It's almost as bright as daylight in here, bright enough to take photographs anyway. I wonder if any of the others have a camera. Possible. Father! Where is the boy? I want him to help us get these pelts aboard. Tom, Tom, where is he? Come down below for a minute. Hey, Fred, now he put a bit more effort into it, will you? We're doing our best. Yeah. Yeah. Lost it, boy. He's supposed to be washing the moorings. He'll get a taste of my boot when we get on board. Martin, where are you? Up here, Skipper. What are you doing up there? Get yourself down here right now. Must come up here and see what I found. Damn, she got a kid. Come down here, I say. did he say he's found? Uh, some stupid nonsense about a Viking ship. Ah, uh, good. He's, he's coming down. I have a good mind to find him for this. Dedication of duty, that's what I call it. <laughs> Dereliction of duty, you mean, Skipper. I'll speak English my way, and you speak it yours. Okay. Oh, you're the boss, Skipper. You, you must come up and take a look, Skipper. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, so will the bruises be on your backside if you're not careful. Do you grab a hold of these pelts here and start pulling, boy. I'll talk to you later about this. Uh, hey, it's the ice. The ice, it's, it's beginning to crack. Hurry. Let's get these pelts on board. Right. Uh, uh, don't look back, Tim. Just keep pulling. Come on, boys. Not much farther to go. Some work for us. 
half. Huh? I don't like the looks of the other half of that peak. It's got... Hey. Hey, what's that? There. I can see it all. It's the Viking ship. It must have been locked in the ice for centuries. Gee. It ain't very big, is it? Not much bigger than our whale chaser. It's a miracle. A miracle. It's a pity we can't go and take a closer look, Tom. All right, with the rest of the peak ready to collapse on top of it, you'd have to be crazy. I know my history, and what's in that ship is worth a million times more than those, those sea pelts. What do you mean, kid? Come with me and I'll show you. What is it? Treasure or something? No, nothing like that. It's, it's evidence that'll change a myth into a fact. Has anyone got a camera so we can take a picture of it? The skipper's got one. Hey, you! I think it's safe now for us to get those pelts. Skipper! And young Tim, borrow your camera. Camera? No, he can't. Come on, let's get those pets. <laughs> Seems you're out of luck. Forget it, and let's get the job done before that peak collapses. We hopped over the side and ran across the ice. While the bundle was being dragged clear, I ducked away and ran off towards the Viking ship, which now stood out clear and stark against the white background of the overhanging peak. I was crazy, I know. My curiosity overcame any fear. I'd actually reached the wooden longship when they missed me. I ignored their shouts and gingerly stepped on board, lost completely in the wonderment of the moment. Close to me, hunched on his rowing bench, sat a fur-clad warrior. His skin was frost-blackened, but otherwise perfectly preserved. It was as though he had died in his sleep, eyes closed and at peace. Lying in the center section was a battle axe, which I picked up. I counted 45 men and eight women. Then I turned to the huddle group in the center. There were eight of them, four men and four women. I gazed at their hooked noses and high cheekbones. At first I thought them to be Eskimos. But I pulled aside their stiff fur cloaks. Hey, come here, you damn fool. Can you hear me? Oh, never mind him. Let's get his pals on board. If that peak collapses, he'll be killed, Skipper. That's his fault. Now, come on, here. We can't just leave him up there. Why not? I didn't ask him to go. But there's something up there that fascinates him. I'll go and get him. No. First we get his pals on board. Uh, then if you want to commit suicide, you can. Okay, okay. I'll go along with that. Right. Now cut your rope, Freddy. That's it. Now show them all we're in small bundle. Uh, like this. Uh, I'll go with you, Tom. No, you won't. You stay here, Freddy. That's an order. Well... Let me go instead of Tom. No, no, no. It's my responsibility. Now, shut up, friend. Keep working. All right. All right. This is the last one, anyway. Okay, if I go now, Skipper. It isn't okay, but how can I stop you, huh? <laughs> no, you can't. I'll see you later. Hey, Tom! Come back! You can't risk it now. The ice is starting to break up again. I won't be long. Come down around the hill. Tom, you must come and look, please. 
there nothing we can do to save it? value of this find. It'll, it'll settle a lot of historical arguments, and obviously... Oh, shut up and get wise to yourself. Are you trying to get us both killed? Uh, we must find a way of saving the ship, Tom. Look at it. I ain't looking at anything. Are you coming with me, or do I have to carry you? Float, I wonder. If we could tow it back... All right, you ask for it. <laughs> now maybe you'll do as you're told. <laughs> He's heavy. A poor kid must have gone off his head. As though this old hulk has bewitched him. Better step on it. This berg's gonna fall apart any minute. Viking to discovered America, not Columbus. 
<laughs> who cares who found America? Does it make any difference? There's a lot of people who'd like to know the truth, Tom. And you didn't even stop to look. is produced by Anne Freed and directed by Henry Diffenthal.